this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Jay, it's union time. There you go. <laughs> Play that mouth trumpet. The weakest. A- that is the weakest fanfare ever. Yeah, we'll get some real one. You deserve uh, better going. than that. Yes. Darren. Welcome back to the show, union member Darren. <laughs> I almost messed it up, but I didn't because this is a whole thing. I, I we have two Darrens with the last name L, and I can't keep them straight for the life of me. I even made a note in Patreon. Canadian Darren, UK Darren, and I still messed it up. Welcome from Kingston, Ontario, Canada, home of the tragically hip Darren Lehman. How you doing, Darren? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me again. Uh, in previous shows, back in 2021, you brought to us the Age of Electrics album, Make a Pest a Pet. Then in 2022, we talked about Ignorance is Bliss by Face to Face. So would you share with our, our studio audience? No, we don't have a studio audience. Uh, share it to folks at home, the album that you suggested for 2023. Yeah, I wanted to uh, shed some light on the 1997 record by Holly McNarlin called Stuck. And this is a Canadian artist, correct? That is correct. Yep. How did you come upon Holly's record? Was it at the time it came out or did you find it later? Um, Both. Both, actually. So she um, had videos on Much Music, which is, I'm sure, been mentioned before, is uh, Canada's MTV, was Canada's MTV. Um, Also, I got to see her play at a festival called Edge Fest with uh, Our Lady Peace, Tea Party, I Mother Earth, Collective Soul, Finger Eleven, Zucker Baby, and Glue Leg. And I'm pretty sure she was the only female artist there, like, or, or that led uh, a band or a group. And she was just, she was very kick-ass. She had a lot of punk rock energy to her and she really stuck out. She made an impression on me for sure. So that was my intro. So let's get in a little history uh, so that folks can get familiar with Holly McNarland. History of the band. She's from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Um, started uh, playing, she moved to Vancouver, British Columbia in the 90s and released the Sour Pie EP independently in 1995. Then it was re-released by MCA Records in 1996. And Stuff, which we're going to talk about, was the debut album released in 1997. Numb was a Canadian top 10 single. And at the 1988 Juno Awards, she won Best New Solo Artist. She was also nominated for Best Alternative Album and Best Video. After that, 
she followed it up with home is where my feet are in 2002 that was on universal music and then chin up buttercup came out in 2007 on curve music which is an independent label um based out of toronto and then run body run that came out in 2012 have you kept up with her do you know if she's still active making music or has she retired I, I did some digging. Um, so actually, funny enough, I saw her on the Run Body Run tour in in a small little bar. And I actually got to talk to her after the show. And uh, I told her about seeing her when I was, you know, 17 as a teenager and everything. And she kind of like laughed and stuff. And um, But yeah, I got the impression that the gigs were kind of few and far between. And, um, you know, she went from big festivals to really small bars and it was, <laughs> you know, she was great, but it was a little disheartening. Like I even remember her playing her uh, acoustic uh, six string and one of the strings broke and she didn't have a backup guitar. <laughs> it was just like, oh wow, you know, it felt, it felt a little low rent, you know? So mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was a little odd, but uh, yeah. And then I kind of, I did some digging and like, I don't think she's really done anything since then too much. I think she does uh, gigs here, you know, one-offs here and there. But yeah, from what I read, she kind of got sick of the music business and wanted to focus on being a mom. And yeah, so I haven't heard a whole lot about her or from her since 2012. Yeah, so actually, you mentioned about her wanting to be a mom. She has like a teenage son now. And um, she's, I believe, either going to be opening or is opening an espresso bar in Delhi in Toronto called House Coat Coffee. And then there's going to be a deli in the back making sandwiches and, and it's going to be open for lunch. Um, and it's on her it's on her uh, 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 Instagram. And oh, she's wow. got this uh, got this place with her husband. Um, so maybe she's playing gigs there. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, you know, when the when the rocking's done, you gotta do something else. And I, we spend enough time in coffee shops and and whatnot on the road and places, so it seems kind of natural. You you end up working at a coffee shop or a or a bar or writing kids music that's about it that's the, like the three ways you go you write kids music or you open a coffee shop um jay had you heard the name or listened to holly mcnarland no i never heard the name or or heard the music had you i feel like i heard the name just in passing yeah but i didn't i didn't have any idea what she sounded like or where she's from know. I like to think I was, you know, fairly knowledgeable of Canadian artists in the nineties, but uh, this one slipped past me. Yes. Me as well. Over at Patreon, we shared this uh, episode with the crew and got a couple comments. Ian McIver said, boy, does this take me back to university? I obviously remember the radio play numb got and its inclusion in much music's big shiny tunes Two compilation. Aside from that, I never took a deep dive into the album, which would give a decent single rating based solely on that memory. 
Listening to the album, it's easy to see how this album burned right at the start with a strong single and then was quickly forgotten when Sarah McLaughlin released Surfacing a couple months later. The angry young woman in music was drawing to a close by this point and moving in favor of the Spice Girls' girl power. Not to say it's a bad album. There's enough here to move the needle to a better EP rating and recognition in can rock history. Cal Bittner said this was a very enjoyable listen. Two main singles, Elmo and Numb, were everywhere when this came out. Yet I listened to the album when it was released. Uh, but I, I like the tracks, album tracks more, with Water and Coward being the standouts. I'm sure there are in multiple mixtapes I handed out around the time. Not having listened to it in years, I'm surprised it still held up. I've got It's got some of that 90s angst to it, but still has a sense of delicacy. Worth out, worthy album. So there you go. We'll see how the poll shakes out for this record. Um, but let's get into it. Jay, tell me one thing you liked about Stuff by Holly McNarland. I like that the the album is really, you know, produced and uh, arranged around her vocal, which makes a ton of sense. Uh, you know, it's emotive. It's breathy. There's a decent amount of range here. She moves between like a head voice for sort of more of the intimate stuff and then can really belt things out, you know, with some air and in, in some of the lines in the choruses. Um, so there's, there's a lot of interesting things going on uh, from a tone and performance standpoint with the vocal. Um, there's also some interesting phrasings that she uses and just a, uh, I think a unique sense of rhythm. So that's certainly the centerpiece of the record you know, around that. I think they do a good job of then using guitars as kind of a dynamic uh, verse, you know, a, a typical, uh, you know, 90s record where you, you know, the guitar is going to be the, kind of the meat and the muscle, sometimes like even the focus of the song and the, and the vocal is just there to kind of put a lyric over top of it and deliver, you know, what's needed for the, the hook. This is different in that, you know, they're using a lot of effects, um, the guitars can be a little staccato and rhythm oriented, but they also can be more um, um, like underneath, like delivering lines or sitting on a chord or um, kind of connecting things together. There's also some interesting use of like really subtle at times synths on this record that do, that do a similar thing. So keyboards are sometimes they sound like strings um often on the record you don't even quite know they're there and then it pops out and you realize oh that's been underneath the song the whole time so again it kind of creates like this bed um that gives the song some texture and a little bit more mood i think in the same way that i think the guitar effects do a similar job which i think again works really well with her vocal you know the vocal can be punchy on top Sometimes she's pushing the rhythm to just have the other, you know, a lot of the other instruments in the band uh, from a guitar and keyboard standpoint, specifically kind of sitting back, um, I think is really smart. Uh, so a good example would be like the box.
me is um, where you've got these, you know, picked guitar effects. It's creating this moody bed of music that builds as the song develops, really relying on the vocal to, to make the build. And the chorus has this sweeping guitar lead that really helps, I think, emphasize the hook and the melody, not overtaking the vocal, but it's like really, you know, slotting in there to make sure that, you know, it's, it's got a melodic hook to it. Um, Elmo is another good example where it's, it's a little different in that it's a little more staccato feeling rhythmically. It's a little bit more unique. Um, but again, there's this like sweeping synth that's going on throughout that song. That's really interesting. Kind of gives it an orchestral or string feel that I think works well with the other instruments being a little bit more rhythmic or staccato. So it's just, you know, some cool push and play between like um, things being rhythmic and then things kind of being laid back and be more melodic. I think that work really well around her vocal, which does a similar thing like she can sing as you know in a really like rhythm oriented delivery but she can also kind of lay back and deliver you know some melody so i think there's a there's a lot of cool stuff happening here and the relationship between her as a singer and the way the album's produced and the way that they're putting these um you know four or five pieces of a band together so that's what what's working for me what's working for you tim well First of all, I'm I'm very appreciative that occasionally when we get uh, solo artists, um, they don't rock. There's a lot of acoustic-y, singing song, yeah. singer-songwriter stuff. Right. And Holly McNarling can rock. And I was looking at the... She actually plays guitar on the record, too. Um, she's credited with acoustic and electric guitar. And then what's interesting is the other guitar credits are a guy named Jay Joyce who is a, um, I believe, a producer primarily. He was actually from Cleveland. And he's worked mm. as a record producer for The Wallflowers, uh, Emmylou Harris, um, a lot of stuff after this came out. Like, he, it, this, this was might have been, like, one of the first things that he did because um, it's not even listed on his credits. Like, that's how early it is. So this is just him playing guitar. And then he goes on to be a producer the other guy who played guitar on this i don't know darren do you know who else played guitar on this record uh no no joey santiago from the pixies oh wow i Holy, was shocked I <laughs> to read that now it makes sense because the pixies had broken up and were like long done by this point i mean they were done in the early 90s and this is 97 i, I didn't i don't think I, I forgot to mention that this came out june 24th 1997 uh, produced by Dale Penner. And um, so Holly McNarlin is, I'm guessing, acoustic and electric, like rhythm guitar, and then bring in Joyce. I mean, man, if you had your pick of lead guitarists to bring in, Joyce Santiago is a pretty good one to bring in. He's pretty inventive and can work around a lot of ideas and, and do a lot of interesting stuff. And then you got Jay Joyce also playing guitar. And then Susie Katayama is ch cello, Mark Pulley Blank bass, Adam Drake drums, and Gaten Sure programming, which I'm guessing is where the keyboards come in for this record. That aside, I, I just appreciated that this had energy. Um, the a track like Twisty Mirror, it's just it's a, a rock song, which I 
greatly appreciate. Um, and I really, really like her voice. Um, it's in the Alanis Morissette world, but I like it better. It's got more going on um she can do like you said like the the breathy stuff um like on a song like porno mouth which is a little bit more reserved and then she can belt it out on the more up-tempo songs and i appreciate the diversity of this record too um I, i don't know how you feel about this song jay but mystery song which is kind of trip hop ish mm-hmm. also sent me on a enigma enya uh okay <laughs> uh d- deep dive because i couldn't remember which one was which i was like did enya sing sail away or was that enigma and who's who sang return to innocence and which one was which and, and then i was on wikipedia for a long time um but I, I like that song i like her vocal in a trip hop um sort of vibe because it works really well and it makes me go oh i wonder what she would sound like doing a whole album of trip hop I like that that's in there and it's just sort of toward on the back half of the record where you can maybe a little experiment a little bit. You don't get anything else like that. So uh, for me, there's a lot to, to like about this record. One question for you, Jay, when at the beginning of numb, did that sound like we are the normal by the Goo Goo Dolls? I got a real Goo Goo Dolls vibe from that song. I don't know if, do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. That chord change is very similar. Yeah. Once it kicks in, it it's different. It felt familiar. I couldn't quite, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to get there though, unless you said it. Because you know the Goo Goo dolls right there in Buffalo, not far from Canada. I'm just saying yeah. I might have heard that riff and been <laughs> like, that's a good riff. But anyway, Darren, why don't you share with us uh what works for you on this record? Uh overall, I I, I just I love the the record as a snapshot of like kind of representing Canadian alt rock at the time. Um, sometimes it's edgy, sometimes it's poppy. It can be sleek in its sound. It's a little snotty, it's angsty, and I feel like it's soft and sweet, but she can be quite tart as well. And I like all that. I love, uh, as Jay mentioned um, earlier, about how they really highlight the vocal on this album. And I think that's such a key thing, like regardless of what's going on in any other song, like you get her vocal you get her you know her ability and her like like that's her strength clearly i think and i i just i like you said the way she she changes up um styles and and offers a lot of different things on a lot of different songs um i don't know it's such like i said it's it's an eclectic album um 
there's lots of love. So, yeah. She has a big voice. I mean, it's almost... Um... Uh, who's the singer Chantel Cravi? I can't remember. How to say. Yes. Like yeah. on Elmo, when she hits that big note, where she's like, da, 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 and she likes it's big and she stretches it out and it's whoo. Like that's not easy. And that's not what a lot of songwriters were doing uh, in the like mid nineties, angsty, uh, you know, solo artist rock songs. It tended to be like a little bit more restrained, a little bit more radio oriented. And and even though these are radio songs like Elmo and and Numb were the, I guess, the, the singles off of it, um, they're still pretty interesting. Uh, there's from track to track, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and from within the songs, you get songs that are like, interestingly enough, like bass driven. Um, which I'm curious if, if she did those in like demos, uh, be curious to know if she was, she's credited with the songwriting for all but two of the songs. Um, the drummer has a credit co-credit on porno mouth and the bass player has a co-credit on water, but every, everything else is her like solo, um, uh, songwriting credits. And all these are new. Like, I don't think any of these were on the EP that came out before this. So nothing was re-recorded no. as far as I can tell. No. Yeah. Have you heard that yeah, earlier EP? Uh, no, but I have, uh, I have a live EP. It's called Live Stuff. Uh, yeah. And it was released, I think, around the same time or shortly thereafter. Mm -hmm. And it brought in some, a couple tracks from her, uh, is it Sour Pie? EP? Yeah. And a copy of uh, In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. And uh, I um, see that. She nails it. Like, it's fantastic. Um, yeah. And she also did a uh, DVD in 2003. I think it was after she released her second album. It's amazing. I've watched it on YouTube. It's so good. It really showcases her, you know, her singing. She's actually, she's really quirky and funny, like the in between songs banter and all that stuff and it shows her playing guitar as well and uh yeah i don't know there's just like there's so much to like on this album as you were saying but the the drum and uh bass kind of build up for some of those songs like elmo uh i felt like the box was kind of driven by bass and drums too a little bit and uh i think for me though i think she really hits her sweet spot on songs like water and ufo I don't know. I just feel like they're a little bit more, um, they're a little softer. They're a little sleeker. And um, she kind of does like a lot of different things. They're haunting. They're, she has the soaring vocal going on. I hear a little bit of Sarah McLaughlin on the, the, the song Water.
I love the uh, uh, the cello in water and just the vocal phrasing that she pulls off. And then she just, you know, like I feel like she elongates notes sometimes past the point where it even feels comfortable to listen to. I'm just like, you know, I'm kind of blown away by that. Um, I, I even, you know, I find some of these songs like UFO quite dreamy, um, atmospheric. But yeah, she always gets me with the choruses. Like, I think she writes an amazing chorus. She's so good with that. I got to talk about the album cover for a second. <laughs> Because that was listed on a night and a, a pitchfork article as the some of the worst record covers of all time. Oh. Now we've seen a lot of record covers, and I don't know that this is the worst or one of the worst. I mean, it it took me a second to realize that those weren't teeth in the dog's mouth, but that's actually her, <laughs> and that does oh. kind of push it over the edge of being stupid. It's just kind of I'm like, why did you why are you in your dog's mouth? Uh I am just realizing that now. Right. So it does not work in the thumbnail world. It doesn't work <laughs> in the thumbnail world. No. No. Yeah. If you look at this on like Spotify and you don't have it blown up, you're just you just think that like the dog's mouth is open. And if it just been the dog, I think I'd be okay with it. But the fact that she's crouched in the dog's mouth with a bad Photoshop job from 1997. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's not a good that's not a good album cover. But worst of all time, I've seen so many worse. Yeah, there's way worse album covers. Than maybe, that. On a, maybe on a unit, maybe on a a major label. This is for, pretty bad, but I don't know. There are some real stinkers out there. It's uh, it's a little weird because the video for Elmo is kind of kind of cool. I mean, I don't know how often you guys have watched uh, videos from the '90s recently, but. <laughs> I find myself uh, occasionally like when we're reviewing records now checking out the videos and they're usually pretty painful and embarrassing, but the video yes. for Elmo is kind of clever and fun. She's is like a she... marionette oh, or something. I was going to say the marionette. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I wish I would have took that creativity and maybe brought it to the album cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause the album cover says like indie label from the Pacific Northwest, like, this is like a killed rock stars or, uh, or, um, you know, some tiny record out label out there. Whereas I could, yeah, this could totally have a, a much different record also because the record feels so well-produced and sounds so well-produced and that looks so lo-fi with like the scribbling and the, and no capitalization and the Photoshop, like this to me, this record has gloss to it it's not pop gloss but it's definitely a sheen of sounding really good um the bass tone is really good it thumps um and everything just sounds nice so it's kind of a misnomer that that album cover is there anything that doesn't besides the album cover jay is there anything that doesn't work for you on this record yeah i feel like the record falls off a cliff after ufo I think oh from mystery song to I won't stay I am confused who this artist is um I get I I felt like I had a good sense uh, like you said I I mean I described like, the band dynamic and how they were constructing the songs you mentioned like you know how they lay into these songs and they rock pretty hard at times which I appreciate as well 
I, I get all that for the most part through the first, you know, seven tracks. I would say Porno Mouth is the only one that doesn't really, you know, steps outside of that. But it's a, you know, quick step to something a little bit more like loungy, kind of sexy feel, um, R&B feel a little bit. But from that that one aside, I mean, the rest of the first seven songs, I'm, I get a really good sense of who this artist is, what kind of record they're making. It's moody, it's dramatic. It, it, when it gets heavy, it kind of fits her style. Then we get some mystery song. I don't know, man. Okay, it's trip hop. Like, there's barely any vocal in it. I'm like, I, I don't get what you're doing here. Um, then there's a <laughs> tune in here that sounds like Alice in Chains. Yeah. Twisting, twisting and I'm like, no, don't do that. Like, like I, I don't need you to be that heavy or that dark. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, the acoustics ender isn't great. It's okay, but it just feels like a generic, like mid nineties, you know, folky singer songwriter song. I, I just think the the album fizzles out to uh, to a point where at the end of it, I'm like, wait a minute, I don't want to get who this person is now. I have to like re-listen to the record, and I, I just sort of realize I need to stop after UFO, and I'm enjoying it a lot more. Did anything not work for you, Tim? Um, there are some things here and there in terms of uh, I think water goes on a little too long. Um, I, I, I like I said it earlier, I like mystery song. It's such a diversion that uh, it just gives me another side of her that uh, could be shorter. And you're right. It, it's really not a lyrical driven song. So, I mean, that could have been two minutes, but you could have, you know, done it part one and part two, you know, at tracks like five and 11 or something like that. It didn't it didn't need to be a five minute long track eight. Um, Justin Me and, and Twisty Mirror, I, I feel like they fit in with the rest of the, the record. You're right that Twisty Mirror is a bit heavier. To, I, you're expecting like Jerry Cantrell to show up and start doing some harmonies yeah. um, <laughs> on that song. But it's pretty short, too. I mean, it's only 314 and that's pretty tight. about i think that you know some of the songs are a little fatty they got a little bit of extra on them um i could probably cut five minutes off the record uh just to make it a little tighter in spots but that's a minor nitpick um i think overall there's some really really strong songs and then there's some there's some okay like porn of mouth like you said it's like an okay song and uh the closer is yeah it's an acoustic closer that's not great um, but other than that, I was pretty, I'm pretty down with the record. What about you, Darren? Is there anything that doesn't work for you on this record? 
Yeah, I agree with Jada to some extent. I mean, I think the first seven songs are the strongest. Uh, I do like the album closer. I feel like it's a palate cleanser. And I just, I like that contemplative, you know, feel of it. Um, Justin, me and Twisty Mirror, I don't really get at all. I feel like maybe there was some pressure to throw on something alternative on the album, you know, like something different and kind of weird. Um, mystery song, I, I could I could take it or leave it. So for me, I like I like uh, I would say what eight out of eleven, and yeah, I feel like Twisty Mirror and Justin Me. I don't know. I don't know where they really fit. I don't think they really fit with the first seven songs on the record. But that's just uh, my opinion. Well, now it's still I th- a worthy album to me. So I, I feel like. Um since I'm the only one that appreciates mystery song, I might have to reach out to Holly and see if we can get some more hip trip hop from her. Uh, maybe, maybe while she's in the coffee shop, just lay down some vocals and we'll get the Porter said guys aren't busy. I mean, they put out one album a decade. So what, what could they possibly be doing? Like get, get, get those two collaborating. And uh, I would like to hear that, but I, I hear what you guys are saying. I mean, it's, it's a weird song, but, it works for me. Uh, so how are we going to end up with regards to, well, actually there's one thing I want to talk about. So this comes out in 97, right? And we had Jagged Little Pill, what was that? 95. Is that when that comes out? I believe. So, so yeah. this didn't really make a dent in the United States. <clears throat> and I feel like by that point you had so many uh, artists getting signed in the same way that like, you know, you get your, after Nirvana, a bunch of bands that sound like Nirvana get signed. After Jagged Little Pill explodes, you get a lot of female singer-songwriters getting signed. You're, you know, your Meredith Brooks and your uh, Jen Trinan and, and your Fiona Apples. And everybody's, everybody's getting signed within a year or two. So I can see how this got completely lost in the United States, especially 97, because we're on the verge of of the return of pop music. Um, and there's like a battle for the, <laughs> for the radio starting. Um, so a lot of like this stuff that would be like on the edge of getting played in 94, 95, 96 is starting to lose out to the one hit wonderish stuff of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, <clears throat> bands that, that, Squirt, like a sister hazels and deep blue somethings and and seven mary threes like those bands are throwing up one hit and then they're disappearing like there are some really good songs in this record but i don't know there's anything that's gonna like shoot to number one in the u.s with a video that's got to be like somehow gonna connect with people um so agree jay that this probably didn't have a chance for in 97 or you think this had a chance for some sort of mainstream um, i i think there's a chance here i i think there were some other artists that are very similar to this i think she's missing like the one killer one killer hook in a chorus or something or even some of these lyrics i could see like because they're a little bit you know or sometimes not a little bit like 
very much uh, kind of over the top uh, confessional or um, definitely, you know, grab your attention, even mm-hmm. lyrically, like she's probably in a good place to, to maybe get a radio single in the US. I, I think there's probably just a, a missing hook here. Uh, the difference between her and I don't know, um, Poe or somebody like that, like there were a lot of female artists, you know, getting re- airplay at the time. So I don't think that would have been an issue. You know, I think musically what she's doing here is it's pretty close to a lot of other artists that were on the radio. I just, it's just missing that hook. I think. Yeah. Not that these aren't melodic, but you know what I mean? Like it's just not like one really like knock right. you over the head radio hook by by 97 if you're gonna have a a, an album like this um you got to have that one song that's gonna like blow everyone away yeah that's gonna yeah that's gonna it's elmo has some points in it where it sounds like our lady peace a little you know Mm -hmm. so i could hear you know they had hits I, i just think there's there's just one little element missing yeah. All right, let's get into our overall ratings on the record and we'll share the Patreon results. Uh where the album Better EP decent single Jay where do you land? I'm landing at an EP. I got stuff in Elmo. I'm going to skip track 3 Porno Mouth and pick up from Water Coward. I think this is the to me, the most interesting stretch of the record is Water, Coward, The Box, and UFO right there in the middle of the record, I think is maybe not the most pop-oriented stuff, but I think the most interesting musically and the best um, in terms of dynamic songwriting and, and uh, to me, lyrics and just the whole package. So, you know, I'm at about a six-song EP. Where'd you land, Tim? I, I'm at eight songs, so I'm going where the album. I would chop uh, Porno Mouth, Justin Me, and I Won't Stay. That gives me eight songs. I think that's a solid eight-song album. Um, I would rearrange it a little bit and maybe move Mystery Song to last, uh, end the record on that. But yeah, I think this is a worthy record that people should check out. Darren, how about yourself? Yeah, for sure. Worthy record. I, I, I would keep eight out of the 11, uh, for sure. And, um, I would probably cut, uh, Justin, me and twisty mirror and maybe mystery song. I don't know. It's, it's, it's yeah. Oh, you like this <laughs> song. Come on. I, I, no, I do. And I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes it's like, Oh, this is next. And then other times I'm like, Oh, this is next. Um, so um yeah i know it's still a worthy album for me for sure definitely it's a worthy album just to hear her voice because it's it's a really really good voice really really good uh that i would be curious to check out some of the later records and see what what she go where she goes with it um but our patrons well like me and jay being split they were split 50 50 between worthy album and better ep so the uh, the patron community was also divided by this record, but I think you know fifty fifty between where the where the album a better EP. You're talking about the difference between six and eight songs, so that's not too bad. 
Darren, thank you for bringing this record to us and uh, adding Holly McNarland. Is it McNardland or McNarland? Do you know? It's McNarland. Okay, good. Because McNardland sounds ridiculous. <laughs> but I just I just noticed that there's a D in there. Or did I just put that in wrong? Put it in um, incorrectly. Never mind. I just put it incorrectly because uh, I just looked in. I have an extra D in the title of the post on Patreon. So nobody called me out on that. Come on, people. <laughs> McNarland. That that's why it's McNarland because there's no extra D, dummy. Uh, <laughs> thank you for bringing this to us. Always enjoy the can rock. Uh, happy deliver oh and for the record she went very adult alternative on her following albums like a lot okay a lot lighter uh the the experimental stuff was gone (laughs) no no more alice in chains sounding stuff and it got a lot tamer lyrically too so see you guys shamed her for doing alice in chains stuff and now she won't do it anymore (laughs) (laughs) wait she lost momentum. She went away for five years and started a family and came back. And I think she lost too much momentum. And yeah, yeah I don't you can't think, do that. No, I think her heart wasn't really in it in terms of pursuing it from what I've read. But so. Children will suck the life out of you. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> uh yeah, uh, I should mention that if if you would like to be like Darren and suggest an album for us to review, you can join us at Dig Me Out Pod. Sorry, Dig Me Out Pod. You can join us at the DMO Union at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. All sorts of different tiers, but regardless, you get to vote in polls like this. Whatever tier you're at, you get to vote in these album selection polls. You get to vote in our monthly tournament which jay we are getting through those albums yeah we are uh we're looking at about three months left of uh records for the hopper here so if you got something that you think would make a fun review go to the website digmeoutpodcast.com and submit something submit a couple records uh we need to we need to keep that thing full well, so after, let's say we were to run dry, would we just take the ones that lost and start mixing them up and putting them back in? Uh, or, I don't know. I haven't, I, I thought about just going back to more of like a once a month kind of thing until we got it backlog, but yeah, we can consider some options and talk about it on discord. Uh, or maybe Jay and I would be allowed to pick a record <laughs> on our show that we've been doing for 13 years. Maybe we should be allowed to pick a record now. <laughs> no that's how it started and uh people said no we need to pick the records for you and and we said okay and uh that's what you can do by joining us at the union you can also submit records for these tournaments at digmeoutpodcast.com anybody out there can submit at digmeoutpodcast.com just go to the suggest an album page fill out the form give us your album tell us why you're submitting it and we'll put it in one of the tournaments you can also at our website sign up for the box newsletter, which is available when you're our patron. Uh, you get a weekly newsletter of new releases, albums, books, movies, TV shows, anything related to primarily the 90s, but also the 80s and aughts that we additionally cover because we do uh, bonus episodes for 
Patreon of, I think we've done 20 80s episodes and we're going to do our third uh, aughts episode coming up soon. Also, two reviews of new releases, one minute reviews, uh, either by me or by one of the union members. They get to submit them as well if they like. I've got a couple electronic releases coming up from uh, Mr. McIver. He's covering some stuff for us. And lastly, Apple Podcasts is where you go to leave some positive feedback for the show. So for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. My body, my body.